Alhamdulillah Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'akfiruhu Wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina Wa min sayyati a'malina Man yahdihillah falamudillah Wa man yudhil falahadiyallah وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم أما بعد we continue with the explanation of the forty hadith of Imam Al-Nawawi رحمه الله and we are still on the ninth hadith on the authority of Abi Huayra radiallahu an Qala sami'tu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yakul ma nahaytukum an fajtanibu wa ma amartukum bi fa'tu minhu mastafa'tum fa innama ahlaka alladhina min qabalikum kathratu masa'idihim wa akhtilafuhum ala anbiya'ihim Abu Hurairah radiallahu an, he mentioned, I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu say, whatever I have forbidden you from, leave it off, and whatever I command you with, then do it as much as you are able to. And surely the only thing that destroyed those who came before you was their excessive questioning and their differing with their prophets. We covered that this narration is connected to a reason and that is one day when the Messenger وسلم, was addressing the people and he stated Ya ayyuhannas qad furida alaykum al-hajj fuhujjo O people Hajj has made has been made obligatory upon you, so therefore make the Hajj. So a man stood up and said, Ya Rasulullah, do we have to make Hajj every year, O Messenger of Allah? So the Messenger وسلم, was quiet, and the Sahabi he repeated his question three times. Do we have to make Hajj every year? Do we have to make Hajj every year? So then the Messenger sallallahu said, لو كنت نعم If I was to say yes, you have to make Hajj every year, then it will be mandatory upon you to make Hajj every year. And you will not be able to do so. And then the Messenger sallallahu went on to mention, ذَرُونِي مَا تَرَقْتُكُمْ Leave me with that which I have left you with. Meaning when I give you a command, just take it. Don't start going into the intricate details. The command is there, follow it. فَإِنَّمَا هَلَكَ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكُمْ بِكَثْرَةِ سُؤَالِهِمْ وَاخْتِلَافِهِمْ عَلَىٰ أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ For indeed, those who were before you, that which destroyed them was their excessive questioning and their differing with their prophets. فَإِذَا أَمَرْتُكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ فَأْتُمْ مِنْهُمْ مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ وَإِذَا نَهَيْتُكُمْ عَنْ شَيْءٍ فَدَعُوهُ أَوْ فَاجْتَنِبُوهُ 
And then the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam went on to mention When I command you with a matter Then do it as much as you're able to And when I prohibit you from a matter, leave it off We covered in the last class That the origin of a prohibition is forbiddance Unless there is a text that comes to remove the forbiddance to the level of being disliked and likewise, the order of a command is obligation, unless a text comes to remove it from being an obligation to a recommendation. And as it relates to the prohibitions, then everyone has the ability to stay away from the prohibitions. But as it relates to the commandments, then the fulfillment of the commandments is based upon capability. Also, we covered, Barakallah Fikum, that when a person leaves off that which is forbidden, it's a must that he leaves it off for the sake of Allah. For if a person leaves off the haram, but not for the sake of Allah, then there's no reward for it. There's no reward. And likewise, there's no sin upon him, but he gets no reward for leaving off the haram because he didn't leave it off for the sake of Allah. And an example, a person who doesn't drink beer because he doesn't like the taste of beer. Okay, he doesn't drink beer. He doesn't like the taste. He doesn't like to be in a state of being intoxicated. That's the reason why he doesn't drink beer. Does he get a reward for not drinking beer? No, because it's not done for the sake of Allah, it's done for his personal reasons. And other than that, so when it comes to staying away from the haram, one must have the intent that when he's staying away from the haram, he's doing it to please Allah and to adhere to that which Allah has legislated. And also, Barakallah Fikum, it's important that when we do carry out that which is upon us to carry out, that we have the intentions that we're doing it for the sake of Allah. The Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned, إِذَا أَنْفَقَ الرَّجُلُ عَلَىٰ أَهْلِهِ that when a man spends on his family and he is seeking a reward by way of that, then it's a charity for him that he has given to them. Without a doubt, we as men, we are responsible for taking care of our families. As Allah Azawajal, he mentions, Ar-Rijal qawwamuna ala nisa that the men are the protectors and the maintainers of the woman. And the Prophet Sallallahu mentioned, وَالرَّجُلٌ رَاعٍ فِي أَهْلِهِ وَهُوَ مَسْؤُولُ عَنْ رَعِيَّتِهِ That the man is a shepherd amongst his family and he will be responsible for them. So it's the, it's the duty and the responsibility of the men to take care of their families and to spend upon them. But here the Prophet mentions he spends, but with his spending, he is seeking the reward from Allah. 
So he's not just merely spending, because you have some men who spend because that's the norm of the society, that the men must take care of the woman. Or that's the norm of the person's family. But as for the believing man, when he spends, he's mindful that he is carrying out the duty and the responsibility that Allah has placed upon him. So now he is doing it with the intent of seeking Allah's reward, so it's worship for him. And not merely a customary act. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, وَمَا أَمَرْتُكُمْ بِهِ فَأْتُوا مِنْهُمْ أَسْتَطَعْتُمْ And whatever I command you to do, do it as much as you're able to do. So here we have that fulfillment of the commandments is based upon capability. Because it's an action that you have to do. And in order for you to do an action, something has to be present. Capability, or if you want to, as an example, pay zakat. Money has to be present in order in order for you to pay zakat. If you don't have no money, there is no payment of zakat. So here, the commandments are based upon the capability and the presence of that which is needed to carry out the commandment. Different from the prohibition, the prohibition you just stay away, you don't do it. And for this reason, Allah has not burdened anyone beyond one's capability. As Allah mentioned, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعه. That Allah He does not burden the soul beyond its capability. Allah Azza wa Jalla He mentions فَتَقُوا اللَّهَ مَسْتَتَعْتُمْ Fear Allah as much as you are able to. Fear Allah to the best of your ability. So the servant when it comes to fearing Allah and carrying out the commandments, he does so according to his ability. Now, we have in the narration on the authority of Imran ibn Hussein radiallahu an, أَنَّهُ قَالْ كَانَتْ بِبَوَاسِيرٍ فَسَأَلْتُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ أَنَ الصَّلَاةَ فَقَالَ صَلِّ قَائِمًا فَإِنْ لَمْ تَسْتَتِعْ فَقَائِدًا فَإِنْ لَمْ تَسْتَتِعْ فَعَلَى جَمْعٍ Imran ibn Hussain, he said that he was suffering from hemorrhoids. And he asked the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم about the prayer while being in the state. So the Prophet Sallallahu he said, pray standing up. If you cannot pray standing up, then pray sitting down. And if you cannot pray sitting down, then pray lying down on your side. So here is an example of how commandments are based upon capability. 
the Prophet first commanded him to pray standing because that's the origin. The origin is that the person stands in the prayer. But now if there is something preventing the person from standing, the person has an ailment which doesn't allow him to stand or there's difficulty when he stands, okay, now pray sitting. Pray sitting down. And if the individual does not have the ability to pray sitting down, okay, pray laying down on your side. And then another narration comes, فَإِن لَمْ تَسْتَتِعْ فَمُسْتَلْقِيًا لَا يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْحَهَا And if you do not have the if you do not have the ability to pray laying down on your side, then pray just laying down flat on your back. And Allah does not burden the soul beyond the capability. Now so here the Prophet وسلم, commanded that the companion prays in the manner he has the ability to pray. The companion prays in the manner that he has the ability to pray. So this goes back to that principle, al-mashakka that whenever there is difficulty, then this will bring about ease. This is how the religion is. And this is a mercy in the religion. That whenever the believer is faced with difficulty in the matter, another rule comes to remove that difficulty. To put the believer in a state of ease to carry out the act of worship. Likewise, when a person cannot make wudu with water, then what? Tayammu. He makes tayammu. Or if a person, he cannot fast due to his sickness, he breaks his fast. and makes it up from other days when he feels better. Or if he has like a permanent sickness, which is uh, not hope that he will get better, then he feeds a poor person for every day he doesn't fast. Or if a person does not have the ability to make hajj, there's no hajj upon him. Or a woman, she does not have a mahram to travel with her to make hajj, there's no hajj upon her. The Prophet he mentioned something that shows the overwhelming mercy of Allah upon his servants. And this narration is on the authority of Abu Musa al-Ashari in the Sahih of Imam al-Bukhari. إِذَا مَرِضَ أَوْ سَافَرَ كُتِبَ لَهُ مِثْلُ مَا كَانَ يَعْمَلُ مُقِيمًا صَحِيحًا 
The Prophet sallallahu he mentioned, when the servant becomes sick, or when he travels, the good deeds that he used to do are written for him, just like he used to do when he was stationed and he was healthy. Sickness is one of the things that prohibit a person from working. Sickness. This is why the Prophet Sallallahu he said, Take advantage of five things before five things come. Right? Okay, take advantage of five things before five things take come. Take advantage of your health before your sickness. Take advantage of your youth before your old age. Take advantage of your wealth before or your richness before your poverty. Take advantage of your free time before becoming preoccupied. And take advantage of your life before your death. The Shahid on the point here, the Prophet said, take advantage of your health before your sickness. Because there are things that you are able to do when you're healthy that you are not able to do when you're sick. But look at the mercy of Allah upon the servant. When the servant becomes sick and he's not able to do what he used to do of good, Allah will still give you that reward. Because it's the sickness that's hindering him. Not that you yourself don't want to do the good anymore, but the sickness is hindering you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala writes for you your good deed. And likewise, traveling. Traveling is another hindrance from doing that which you normally do. The Prophet وسلم, said about traveling, that traveling is a portion of punishment. Anyone knows why? Why is traveling a portion of punishment? No. Traveling is a portion of punishment from the aspect of you're not in, in your everyday normal situation. You're away from your family, your sleeping is off, you understand? How you're moving is not how you normally move when you're at home. So there's difficulties in traveling. So for this reason, the traveler is allowed to shorten the prayer. The traveler is allowed to combine the prayer. The traveler is allowed to break his fast in Ramadan and then make up the days after Ramadan. All of this is to make it easy for the traveler because traveling is difficult. And again, this is from the, the mercy of the deen, the mercy of Allah upon us in the perfection of Islam. That Islam, as Allah says, يُرِيدُ Allah بِكُمُ الْيُسْرِ وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعُسْرِ Allah, He wants ease for you. Allah doesn't want hardship for you. This deen is a deen that is easy. As the Prophet mentioned, a deen yusuf, that the religion is ease. Meaning easy as it relates to the practices. 
Not easy, meaning you do what you want to do, as some people understand. So, the dean is easy. I don't feel like praying right now. The dean is easy. Oh, no, no, it don't mean that. You know, sister, she want to shack up with somebody. You know, the dean is easy, brother. No, you got to fear Allah. You have no boyfriend and the brothers having girlfriends and say, well, the dean is easy. You can do what you want. Allah is merciful. No, no, mean that. The dean is easy within the scope of the legislation. The rules and regulations are easy. Allah doesn't want hardship upon the people. So here, what you used to do when you were stable and at home and healthy, Allah will give you that reward. That's a great mercy from Allah. This is why, while you have the ability to do good, take advantage now. Because you don't know what tomorrow will hold And we may not be able to do the things we are doing today. So don't procrastinate when it comes to doing good. If there's something of good you want to do, go ahead and do it. Don't say tomorrow. As Abdullah bin Umar, when the Prophet وسلم, said to him, be in the life of this world as if you are a stranger or a passerby, he said, Take from your health, from your health for your sickness. And take from your life for your death. The good that you do now is an investment for you. The good that we do on a daily basis, this is our investment for tomorrow, for the hereafter. There's another narration. إن العبد إذا كان على طريقة حسنة من العبادة ثم مرض قيل للملك الموكل بي أكتب له مثل عمله إذا كان طريقا حتى أطلقه أو أكفته إلي This narration it states that when the servant is on a path of goodness from the acts of worship and then he becomes sick, it is said to the angel who's responsible for him, meaning writing his deeds, write down the likes of that which he used to do. Write down the acts of worship that he used to do until he becomes healthy or until his soul is taken, Allah says, until I take his soul. However, uh, this narration we have from the scholars of Hadith, they say the narration is a weak narration. Now, but the meaning is Sahih. That when a person is on a path of goodness from the acts of worship and he becomes sick, then Allah Azawajal commands the angel to write, to continue to write your good deeds. Like you used to do prior to you becoming sick, until you get healthy and then you go back to doing the good. Or until Allah takes your soul. Because that's one of the two endings of sickness. Either you get healthy, 
and back to business as usual, and inshallah, your business is good business, or you die. Or you die. Any other third option? We're talking about the end result. You get sick, you get healthy. That's one. You get sick, you die. That's two. One or two things. So the point, do the good before that time comes. Because yes, we have been sick, we get better. And some of us, alhamdulillah, Allah you know, allows us to maintain our health. We don't get sick as much, if any at all. But know that there is going to come a time when death will be there. And there is no return after that. So now the only thing that's left with you is your deeds. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentioned, يَتْبَعُ الْمَيِّدِ ثَلَاثِ Three things follow a dead person. Ahluhu, wa'maluhu, wa'amaluhu. His family, his wealth, and his actions. Two go back and one stays. The family and the money go back. And his deeds remain with him. So your deeds are your best friend. Your deeds are your best friend. The Prophet Sallallahu in one narration he mentions and the meaning is that there are three types of friends. One friend is like, is your wealth. One friend is your wealth. One moment. Get the narration. No. And this narration is on the authority of Anas bin Malik. Annahu qal, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, al-akhilla thalatha. That your close friends are three types. فَأَمَّا خَلِيلٌ فَيَقُولُ لَكَ مَا أَعْطَيْتَ وَمَا أَمْسَكْتَ فَلَيْسَ لَكَ فَذَلِكَ مَا Then you ask for the friend, he says to you, that which you have given and that which you have taken or withheld, that is not for you. فَلَيْسَ لَكَ فَذَلِكَ مَالُكَ It is not for you, that's your wealth. وَأَمَّا خَلِيلٌ فَيَقُولُ أَنَا مَعَكَ حَتَّى تَأْتِيَ بَابَ الْمَلِكِ ثُمَّ أَرْجِعُ وَأَتْرُكُكَ فَذَلِكَ أَهْلُكُ وَعَشِيرَةُ And then you have the friend that says, I'm with you until you arrive to the door of the king. When you arrive to the door of the king, I'm going back and I'm going to leave you. That's your family and your tribesmen and your friends. They go with you until the grave and then they go back. 
وأما خليل فيقول أنا معك حيث دخلت وحيث خرجت فذلك عملك and then you have the friend that says I'm with you wherever you enter and wherever you leave I'm going to be with you that's your actions that's your actions so your best friend your true friend is going to be, be with you at all times your deeds your deeds so it's very important that we strive to do a lot of good before the time comes and one is not able to do any good another narration on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha and Abu Darda that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said man ata firashahu wa huwa yanwi an yakum wa yusalli min alayhi فَغَلَبَتْهُ عَيْنَا حَتَّى أَصْبَحَ كُتِبَ لَهُ مَا نَوَى وَكَانَ نَوْمُهُ صَدَقَةً عَلَيْهِ مِنْ رَبِّهِ The Messenger وسلم, said whoever goes to bed at night and as he goes to bed he has the intention to get up and pray later on in the night and he prayed to Hajjud but his eyes overcome him and he sleeps until morning what he intended is written for him. What he intended is written for him. And his sleep is a charity from his Lord upon him. Allah. Allah is kind. Allah is merciful and kind. Here it is. You have the intent to get up at night and pray. But you're tired. You, you oversleep. Till the morning. That's a charity from Allah. It's a sadaqah from Allah upon you. That he allowed you to sleep. And on top of that, you still get the reward for your intentions. This deen is beautiful. And this is why it's important that we, you know, we intend to do good. Even if we don't have the physical ability to carry out the good, at least have the intentions to do good. And you will get a reward for your intentions. The Prophet وسلم, he mentioned that the life of this world is for four types of people. And here, uh, this narration it shows the importance of intending good and the dangers of intending evil. The Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned four categories of people. One category is a person, Allah gave him wealth, and Allah gave him knowledge. And the person, he spends the wealth according to his knowledge. He does good with, with the wealth, because he, he's, he knows the religion, he knows what Allah wants from him as it relates to the wealth. So he spends the money correctly, so he gets a reward. And then you have, as the Prophet said, now, in the Madunya, the Arba'ati Nafa, 
abdin razaqahullahu malan wa ilman a servant allah has given him wealth and allah has given him knowledge fa huwa yattaqi rabbahu fihi wa yasilu bihi rahima wa ya'lamu lillahi fihi haqqa he fears his lord with his wealth he keeps the ties of kinship and he helps out his family with the wealth and he knows the right of allah as it relates to this wealth fahada afdal almanazil this person is the best of them in status now the second person wa abdan razaqahullahu ilman wa lam yarzuqhu malah you have a servant that allah has given him knowledge but he didn't give him money for who was sadiqunniya but he is true in his intentions and he says law anna li malan la amiltu fihi bi amali fulan he said if i had money i would do the same thing that someone so did with his money meaning the good things the prophet said sallallahu alaihi wasallam so Allah will hold him to account for his intentions and both of them are the same in reward. Jism is near. He doesn't have the money, but his intention is that if he had the money, he would do good with that money. So Allah gives him the reward. Then, وَعَبْدٍ رَزَقَهُ اللَّهُ مَالًا وَلَمْ يَرْزُقُهُ إِلْمًا فَهُوَ يَخْبِتُ فِي مَالِهِ بِغَيْرِ إِلْمٍ لَا يَتَّقِي فِيهِ رَبَّا وَلَا يَسِرُ فِيهِ رَحِمًا وَلَا يَعْلَمُ لِلَّهِ فِيهِ حَقًّا فَهَذَا بِأَقْبَثِ الْمَنَازِرِ Then you have the third person is a servant. Allah gave him money but he didn't give him knowledge. And this individual, he squanders the wealth. He spends the wealth in a manner where he's wasting the wealth. He squanders the wealth. He doesn't have knowledge. He doesn't fear his Lord as it relates to how he's spending the money. He doesn't help out his family. He doesn't keep the ties of kinship. He doesn't give Allah the right. Like he doesn't pay zakat. This individual is the worst of the four. وَعَبْدًا لَمْ يَرْزُقْهُ اللَّهُ مَالًا وَلَا عِلْمًا And then you have the fourth individual Allah didn't give him no money and Allah didn't give him no knowledge فَهُوَ يَقُولُ لَوْ أَنَّ لِي مَالًا لَعَمِلْتُ فِيهِ بِعَمَلِ فُلَانٍ فَهُوَ بِنِيَّتِهِ فَوِزْرُهُمَا سَوَى So this individual, he doesn't have no money, he doesn't have no knowledge, he says if I had the money, I would do the same thing that so-and-so did, meaning the one who squandered the wealth. The prophet said he will be held account for his intentions, and they are the equal in sin. So when you intend to do evil, but don't have the ability to carry it out, but it's your intentions that if you had the ability, you want to do it, you get the sin for your intentions. We have to be careful when it comes to intending evil. Don't intend to do evil. Rather let your intentions be for doing good.
question comes, what's more important? Staying away from the prohibitions or fulfilling the commandments? Some of the ulama, they say, staying away from the prohibitions. Because the prohibitions are prohibited unrestrictedly. Different from the commandments, because the commandments are based upon capability. Others say that which is apparent is that the concern that the legislation gives for the commandments is greater than it gives for the prohibition. Because the prohibitions, we are commanded to stay away from them because they are corrupt. These are, they are matters of corruption. They corrupt the heart, corrupt your physical being, corrupt your families, corrupt the societies, corrupt the communities. So when a person leaves it off, then the khalas is done, is left off. Different from the commandments. The commandments are based upon matters being present and capability. And this is from the origin of the deen. The origin of the deen is actions. Right? Shahada la ilaha illallah. The shahada anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Establishing the prayer. These are the five pillars of Islam. There are no prohibitions mentioned here. Right? All commandments to do something. So the scholars, they say, based upon that, the fulfillment of the commandments is more important than staying away from the prohibition, even though both are important. Don't misunderstand that, oh, okay, well, I can go, you know, dip and dab a little bit over here. Because being that the you know, prohibitions are not that important, no, the prohibitions are important. Stay away from them. But when comparing the two together, the fulfillment of the commandments are more important. Now, another benefit uh, from this narration is that the Prophet mentioned the condition of the previous nations. When he stated, فَإِنَّمَا أَهْلَكَ الَّذِينَ مَنْ قَبْلِكُمْ Indeed, that which destroyed those who were before you. And then he mentioned two matters that destroyed the previous nations. Excessive questioning and them differing with their prophets. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned this so that we don't fall into that which the previous nations fell into. This is why you find in the Quran, Allah mentions the stories of the people of old. So that we learn lessons from the mistakes of others. Look at how some of Bani Israel treated Musa Bad mannerisms and poor behavior as it related to Musa They harmed Musa even though Musa was there to benefit them. 
And Musa was there to guide them by the permission of Allah. And Musa was there to lead them. And with all of that which Musa السلام, did for Bani Israel, you still had from amongst them those who said bad things about him, those who opposed his commands. So the story of Musa being mentioned in the Quran and that which has been mentioned by the Prophet is a lesson that we must learn that we do not treat the Prophet Muhammad in the manner that some of Bani Israel treated Musa We have to be careful. One day, the Prophet was asked a question about some things and he disliked the question. But the people kept asking questions. So the Prophet became upset. And then he said to the people, Saluni ask me whatever you want. So a man stood up and said, Who's my who's my daddy? Man Abi. The Prophet said, Abuka Hudafa. So another man stood up and said, Man Abi Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet said, Abuka Salam Mola Shayba. So the people kept asking, so when Umar ibn Khattab, he seen the anger in the face of the Prophet from the people asking excessive questioning, which was, there was no need for that type of questioning. And they left off that which was better for one to ask about. Umar he said, Ya Rasulullah, inna natubu ilallah. O Messenger of Allah, indeed, we repent to Allah. I mean, we, we, we apologize for angering you with these type of questions. Another narration, the people were asking the Prophet Sallallahu questions out of making fun. So a man said, who's my father? Another man said, I lost my camel, where's my camel? So Allah Azza wa Jal, He sent down the verse, Ya ayyuhaladina amanu, la tas'alu an asha in tubadalakum tasukum. Oh, you who believe, don't ask about things that if the answer is given to you, it's going to harm you and be difficult for you. So it's, it's mentioned that the Prophet Sallallahu he became upset with the questioning of the people because it was unnecessary type of questioning. And then afterwards, the Sahaba, Alhamdulillah, from their respect of the Qur'an, they were not asked. And they will wait for a Bedouin to come from outside of Medina. They used to like that. Because the Bedouin, when he comes, the Bedouin is going to ask some questions. Because, you know, he's not there with the Prophet on a daily basis. So the people who are around the Prophet on a daily basis, they're observing mannerisms and they're not asking questions. But now the Bedouin who is not around the Prophet, he doesn't know. He just come. Oh Muhammad, what's the ruling of this? So the Sahaba, they said, they used to like when the Bedouins would come. 
Because now the better, the better ones will ask questions, so now they can benefit from the answers. So going back to that incident, Umar ibn Khattab, he also said, وَرَضِينَ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّهِ وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينَ وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ وَسُولًا وَنَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الْفِتَنِ Umar ibn Khattab, he said, when he seen the anger of the Messenger sallallahu from the people asking these questions, he said, we are pleased with Allah as our Lord, we are pleased with Islam as our religion, and we are pleased with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam as our messenger. And we seek refuge with Allah from fitna, from the trials and tribulations. Another narration has come, إِنَّ أَعْضَمُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ فِي الْمُسْلِمِينَ جُرْمًا مَنْ سَأَلَ أَنْ شَيْءٍ لَمْ يُحَرَّمْ عَلَى الْمُسْلِمِينَ فَحُرِّمَ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنْ أَجْرِ مَسْأَلَتِهِ Indeed, the greatest of the Muslims in sin, as it relates to other Muslims, is the one who asks about a matter that has not been made haram upon the Muslims, but then, because of his question, the matter is made haram upon the Muslims. Showing that in the time of the Prophet wasallam, there was a caution from just coming and asking all type of questions. Because it may be something that Allah didn't mention in the Quran. The Prophet didn't mention, okay, it's halal. And then now here you come and you ask your question, and now the rule changes because of your question. So this the scholars they say. Matters that did not happen yet, don't ask about them. They would go to the Sahaba and they would say, what's the ruling on such and such? Or what, what, what do we do if such and such happened? So they would ask, did it happen yet? The person says, no. They say, okay, when it happens, then come back and ask. Then they leave off the hypothetical type of question. Leave off the hypothetical type of question because there's no end to hypotheticals. And keep going forever and ever, you know, figuratively speaking. Now, the time. Must be mindful that we submit to the religion and we do not differ with the Prophet. Whatever the Prophet has given us, we take it. As Allah Azza wa mentioned, whatever the messenger gives you, take it. And whatever the messenger forbids you from, abstain from it. Now, if a person has a genuine question about the religion where he's trying to benefit and he does not know and he's dealing with a circumstance, ask your question. As, a, as 
Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, Ask the people of knowledge when you don't know. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi mentioned, Indeed, the cure for ignorance is the question. So we are allowed to ask questions in the religion, but the questions should be beneficial questions. Not uh, questions where a person is just playing around or making mockery, or a person is asking a question just to try to show off and leave that type of those questions alone. Or a person is questioning in a manner that Bani Israel questioned Musa السلام, when Musa told them that Allah commanded them to slaughter a cow. What kind of cow? What color of the cow? All cows look. That type of questioning, leave that off. Just follow what the commandment says, and you will be safe. And do not oppose the sunnah of the Prophet and you will be safe. As Allah mentions, And let them beware those who oppose his command, meaning the command of the Messenger that some fitna will befall them or a painful torment. So two things a person is threatened with when he opposes the sunnah of the Prophet either fitna or a painful torment. Inshallah ta'ala we'll stop at this point. Whatever is correct, the praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And whatever is incorrect, it is for myself. Subhanaka Allahumma bihamdika shadu an la ilaha ila anta Say that again, that if you have a good intention. Well, you, ha- well, you have to have two things in order for Allah to accept your deed. Good intentions and good actions. And what's meant by good actions, okay. But what's meant by good actions, actions in accordance to the religion. Actions in accordance to the religion. No. Yes, when it comes to uh, good deeds that are legislated, if you do not have the ability to do it, but you have the intent that if you were in a position to do it, you would do it, you get the reward. Yes. For not doing what you intended to do? Okay, if you, a bad, okay, if you have an intention to do bad, and then you remember Allah, and you don't do it because you remembered Allah, you're forgiven. Allah, Allah pardons you. Nothing, nothing is written for you. If you intend to do something bad, and then you remember Allah, and then you stop yourself. You get a good deed, actually. You get a good deed. Look at the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ mentioned the three men that went into the cave. And then the boulder trapped them inside from Bani Israel. And one of them said, nothing is going to save you except that you make dua, asking Allah by a good deed that you did for Allah's sake. One of the men mentioned that he was in love with his cousin. And he wanted to sleep with her, but she refused. And some hard times 
came down upon her. She was in need of money. So he said, I'll give you the money in exchange for you sleeping with me. So he gave her the money. And then as he went to lay down on top of her, she said to him, Ittaqillah. Fear Allah and don't break the seal except with his right. Meaning, don't, you're not my husband. Don't enter into me except with the right of marriage or you being my husband. He said, I got up and I left her and I left the money with her. Oh Allah, if I did this for you, remove the boulder, relieve us from it. The boulder moved. So that shows that he got a good deed. But stopping himself from doing, he was right there. The narration says he actually laid down upon her. But as he went to enter into her, she reminded him of Allah. So, he stopped because of the reminder. Now, another narration, the Prophet says, إِذَا الْتَقَى الْمُسْلِمَانِ بِسَيْفَيْهِمَا فِي That when two Muslims meet each other with their weapons drawn, the killer and the one who was killed are both in the hellfire. The Sahaba, they say, Ya Rasulullah, هَذَا هُوَ الْقَاتِلِ they said the message of Allah, okay, we, we understand why the killer is going to the hellfire, but why is the one who got killed going to the hellfire too? The Prophet said, Indeed, he was eager and he had the intentions to kill his companion. Only reason he didn't carry out the act is what? He was killed first. So now what this teaches us? When you have the intention to do something evil and an outside circumstance prevents you but you had the intent to carry out that evil, you get the sin. You get the sin. You get the sin. No, the other son did not intend to fight back. No, he didn't, he didn't have the intent to harm his brother. Do you understand now? Okay, so you have a person who has the intent to do evil. Two people who intend to do evil. Both of them do not do it. One didn't do it because he remembered Allah. The other one didn't do it because something stopped him. The first one who remembered Allah, he's the one who gets the reward. The second one who was stopped by the outside circumstance, he gets the sin. A man goes to rob a bank. As he's going to rob a bank, Police go by. He waits. He goes, another cop car goes by. Another cop car goes by. Another cop. He says, it's too hot right now. I'm, I'm going to leave this alone. He don't get no reward for that. Because it wasn't from the fear of Allah that stopped him. It was the police, the cops. A man has the intent to go and commit adultery. He goes to the woman's house. As he's going in, the husband comes home early. He turns back around. He didn't stop himself. He stopped because the husband was there. You know, he gets the sin. Because his intent that if the husband wasn't there, he would have went ahead with the act. So, this is how you distinguish between the two. When a person has the intent to do evil. If the person stops himself out of the fear of Allah, the remembrance of Allah, he gets a good deed. As for the thoughts a person thinks about something evil 
But he doesn't have the intent to do it. It's a thought that crosses his mind, his heart. There's no sin. He's not held accountable for that. Because it's just a thought. The problem is when it becomes an intention. There's a difference between thinking about doing something and intending to do something. Yes? Charity starts at home. You begin with your family. Because uh, a man came to the Prophet and mentioned he had some wealth. He said, who should I spend it on? The Prophet said, yourself. He says, I have more. He said, your family, your wife. I have more. Then, then, so the Prophet started. The person spends on himself and his family, first and foremost, before spending on others and other things. Charity starts at home. Jazakum Allah khairum, subhanaka alhamdulillah, shalom wa la ilaha 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 il